Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to see you all. I see um, tons of familiar names, but some new faces too, which is always super exciting. So welcome. Thank you for being here. This is May's monthly webinar with icons. I just wanted to say hello. My name is Marshy Smith. I was a NCAA swimmer a long time ago, and I'm joined by um, Kim Jones, who was an NCAA uh, tennis player. We're both mothers and both very passionate, obviously, about women's sports. So for those of you who are brand new, uh, we always start by just giving a brief intro to who we are. Um, we love sports and we're grateful for the women who have paved the way for our opportunities. The next generation of women and girls deserve the chance to be champions and to see an expanded and celebrated world of women's sports. Recently, we've seen the opportunities and protection for women and girls eroded. We need a voice to defend the respect and fair treatment of our next generation of female athletes, and we will be that voice. So I just wanna give a quick run through of the agenda for tonight. Um, very exciting. I'm gonna to touch base on our conference coming up this summer. We'll talk about Title IX, um, the changes and comments we can make due um, May 15th. We also are gonna highlight some of the stories in the news surrounding this topic and then end on um, an exciting advancement um, and announcement about a, um, I'm sorry, a court brief. So I will get into the good news. We have um, our conference registration is open. You may have caught it on our newsletter. Um, <clears throat> so this year, will be bigger and better. But um, to get everyone excited, let's look back for a moment and watch the recap video from last year. organizations that feel passionately about uh, the fair treatment, fair respect, and fair competition for women and its availability for the next generations. To be here with past female athletes, future female athletes, people who have felt the personal experience of competing against transgender athletes, it's just really incredible to be here, um, unite with them, and use our voices together. 
which is a lot more powerful than just on our own. With this administration now under Title IX regulations, sending out a policy to equate biological sex with gender identity under all federal laws, there'll be no barrier to entry uh, for a young person, a young male, to say I identify as female without any policy and compete head to head against women. I think that women who have gone through this, and even people who just recognize that it's unfair and haven't said anything about it, should know that if they speak up, they will receive more support than they could ever imagine. For something like Icons to pop up that's providing a voice for female athletes and scientists to actually talk about the data that, that's out there that people need to know, it's, it's just so important to do. We need athletes to stand up and tell their stories if they have um, competed against a biological male. Telling their story is going to be imperative in, you know, changing these laws and making lawmakers protect the female categories. I knew that I needed to stand up and defend the actions that those women took now 50 years ago and ensure that every little girl out there has the fair opportunity to compete in her sport and is not only able to participate but to succeed in her own events. The scientists like myself are empowering those people with tools. We're giving them reasons to uh, and, and almost confidence to take forward their message because we want them to know that they have the scientific truth on their side. Last December, I traveled to Lincoln, Nebraska to compete in the finals of a Red Bull event. The day of the finals, I was pretty surprised when I saw I'd be competing against a male competitor. And the male competitor, unsurprisingly, took first place, receiving $5,000 of the prize money that was meant for the female athletes. I was ranked fourth in the nation in the Turner Freestyle behind some amazing names that I obviously was familiar with and one that I wasn't. Um, and so this was the first time that I became aware of Leah Thomas. Um, but it wasn't until an article came out on Swim Swam that clarified that Leah was formerly Will Thomas, which was a male who swam for three years um, on the men's side at UPenn. Competing against boys when I was eight, nine years old, I was as good as most of them, but I wasn't better than all of them. And I was by far the best female athlete in, in our school. It was always understood that it would be divided by, by sex. If you respect biology, then you understand why we have women's sports in the first place. The category of women's sport is the only thing that allows us to elevate 50% of humans to give them the opportunity to be Katie Ledecky or Serena Williams or Naomi Osaka.
everybody should have the ability to compete and participate in sports. I'm all about inclusion, but fair sport, fair play, safe sport, and inclusion do not all have to be lumped together. We women have fought so hard to get this equal opportunity to even have the right to play sports, equal funding, etc. And now we're supposed to make room for men who not now ID as women, great for everyday life, absolutely supported in society at large, but we have categories in sports for a reason. When it comes to sports, it has to be based on fairness. It has to be based on what the science says. And in order to give women equal opportunities, they have to have their own team. There's not so much this attempt to, I guess, blur the lines between performance between males and females or sex differences. But there's actually like a more fundamental attempt to just blur the lines between what males and females are completely. A journalist at the National Review asked the question, if the left can't solve this, can the right solve this? And there were a series of answers to that question, but one of my absolute favorite answers to the question came from the current Wolf board chair, Lear Keith, who said, it won't be the left, it won't be the right, it will be women working together. My concern is wanting to ensure that girls continue to have not only the opportunity to participate, but the opportunity to win. The opportunity to get college scholarships, the opportunity to be NCAA All-American. And if they're unable to do so because of unfair competition, that's going to have not only an adverse effect on their abilities as an athlete, but also an adverse effect on their career long after. The Biden regulations are so radical and revolutionary because what they say is that sex and gender and gender identity all mean the same thing. The notion of what a female is, is being erased. And this doesn't just have repercussions in the sport marketplace. Of course, it has repercussions in every arena. Current athletes are fearing backlash and speaking out publicly, and so they don't. We want to create a team where they feel comfortable to do so and also connect people, even if it's behind the scenes, to give information to parents and athletes who have felt wronged in a similar circumstance to link arms with each other, link arms with us. We will connect you to resources that can help you, to educate you, and to connect you to organizations that are working in all different ways. All right, so who's ready to join us in July in Denver? Um, I love watching that. <laughs> Today is actually Kim and I's one year anniversary from our first phone call together. So it's cool to look back. So we have even more great talks lined up and more people flying in from around the world this year. The energy to make sure um, women have fair opportunities in sport is growing. Registration is now open on our website and we want to encourage everyone to please get on it. There will be limited availability and right now we have an early bird price to help us get started on attendance numbers. So the price of reserving your spot will include access to hear 
the speakers and panels all three days and reception events. We have incredible keynote speakers, athletes, new faces, new women speaking up about their experiences, and we will be revisited by Dr. Ross Tucker, Dr. Emma Hilton, and Dr. Carol Hooven, and they will be joined by additional scientists. We will be talking about the international state on women's sports, revisiting the law and new court cases, as well as bringing in some important discussion around the psychological and physical impact on women when discrimination is baked into national and international policy. We will be talking about youth and master sports and why women need fair and safe sport at every age and every level. It will be an incredible opportunity to network and find support. Um, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, we're very excited. <laughs> Do we have the Title IX up? So I'm going to share now um, some an update on Title IX. Um, after we've gotten you so excited, now we have to deal with a bit of a bubble burst, unfortunately. We have 11 days left to comment on the Biden administration's Title IX rewrite, specifically the proposals to address athletic competition. So I will run over a summary of the situation, share the guidance that's posted up on our website, share a few other sites that have options, and then answer any questions if any come in through the Q&A. All right, so there are a lot of folks when this was initially published who were pulled in at first glance with a mention of fairness in the policy and the chance for schools to apply rules that might limit a male athlete from playing on women's teams. However, the proposals as they are written out are worse than if it had been a, almost worse than if it had been a flat open access for anyone on any team. Um, this new proposal, is worse than self-ID. It doesn't just equate sex discrimination with gender identity discrimination, it actually prioritizes gender identity. It's a bully proposal that emboldens the abuse of women's sports by men, boys, and administrations while reversing the protections that we thought we had from Title IX on the basis of sex. So the first thing to understand is that a school or a school sports team cannot have a blanket sex segregated category. The default has to be open to both sexes. And that essentially boils down to a case by case basis to determine if a boy or a man is actually a safety risk or if it's really unfair for them to play. Of importance to note is that any boy can choose to play with the girls teams up until what is considered elite or more competitive. There are absolutely no sex separated opportunities until at least high school. So this means that as girls bodies are changing and developing into women at the ages when they are most emotionally vulnerable and most need to develop body confidence and self-confidence, they are actually not allowed to have sex separated sports opportunities by federal law. So it's a misleading idea that this proposal is better than self-ID the rest of the way through. It mandates self-ID in all situations, even beyond middle school, unless there are several criteria that are met um, by a girl or a woman in every single instance where a male wants her place. First is that a young girl on a team with a male 
or who misses out on a team because of a male must have the guts to complain and explain her position to her coaches and school. The school, secondly, must agree to back her. Third, they must now be able to prove several things. They must be able to prove there's an unfair advantage and that it is hurting her. And they must be able to prove that mitigation factors, if any were undertaken, weren't enough. They have to prove that there's an educational objective for her well-being that warrants it. And they have to prove that there's no harm done to the boy. Finally, they have to be willing to take this to court to spend money, social and political capital to defend her. So every sports team in every school has to be willing to do this in every case. So the basketball team, the softball team, like every single sports team in one school and expand that out across all the schools. So this policy makes defending women almost too expensive and burdensome to warrant addressing. There was an interesting comment when I was conversing about this with someone the other day, and they said, I think this is the point because um, if it becomes this expensive to have women's sports teams or to, to defend women's sports, the idea would just be we can only have a single sports team and anyone can participate on it, which essentially eliminates women from uh, sports opportunities under the federal government. So um, a policy, first, the first and foremost is that a policy can't stand as a block for males from female sport. Every instance has to be new. So in short, this doesn't just reverse Title IX. It actually makes Title IX a burden for women. Um, it's not just a reversal of it. It makes the original intention of the law like a stone around our necks. There is nothing to uphold the rights of girls or women on the basis of sex. The default is that men must be included and harm, including emotional harm to men is a top priority to determine if a sex-based criteria is even considerable. Here's a direct quote from the policy, and this is up on our website, this quote. If a recipient, that means a school, a recipient of federal funds, adopts or applies sex-related criteria that would limit or deny a student's eligibility to participate on a male or female team consistent with their gender identity, such criteria must for each sport level of competition and grade or education level be number one, substantially related to the achievement of an important educational objective and two, minimize harms to students whose opportunity to participate on a male or female team consistent with their gender identity would be limited or denied. So the policy doesn't define fairness, it doesn't define transgender, it doesn't define a gender identity, it doesn't define women, and it doesn't define sex. It goes out of its way to suggest that sex would be approximated by a whole bucket of different characteristics when it comes to determining fairness or safety in sports for girls. So as I said, there is no way for a school to have a rule in place that protects female competition before a male decides to join the team. It is it gives priority to that male athlete in every instance over and over again. The burden of proof will always be on the woman, even if a school wants to have sex separated competitions. It's a really smart policy to take if you are a fan of self ID under any circumstance. It would have been easy to show unfairness or lack of equal protection if it had been a flat self ID policy. But now with this proposal, the Biden administration can say, oh, but we are accounting for fairness and for unfairness and for safety. You just can't have a policy that bans men from women's sports. It puts an insane burden on institutions 
women and little girls to defend themselves in each and every instance. And this is something we need to be aware of that men never have to do. It has an unfair and dis there's an unfair and disparate impact in every single line of this. In listening to lawyers talk about this policy and how infuriating it is um, since I was first getting involved in trying to figure out how to respond, I received some good guidance to focus on the impossible situation this rewrite places on schools. Schools are put in between getting cut off from federal funds on one hand if they protect girls and women or being sued for culpability if a girl or a woman gets hurt in any event they could have foreseen, for example, when sex matters for safety. Schools are in theory allowed to have a policy to protect female athletes and they are legally required to do so if it's a safety risk. But if they do that, if they have that policy in place, they have to be prepared to defend it or they are cut off from federal funding. Schools will need to become de facto experts in risks associated with every sport, whether it's training or competition, human development, and how that development increases risk at each level. They have to do this to become these experts just to make sure that women have access to sports, not for boys. Every school has to do this. They also have to figure out what the threshold for fairness is for each sport and each level. Again, this policy specifically calls out that they cannot create a policy for administrative convenience. An analysis has to occur for every sport at every competition level for every grade and any policy must minimize harm to transgender students. Finally, it is required by federal law that the Biden administration, when, they're when they were writing this, this is true for any rewrite of law or interpretation, the Biden administration had to place a financial cost on the implementation of this rewrite or this clarification. They estimate this cost to be $24.4 million over the course of 10 years. This amounts to approximately $100 per year per school to implement this policy, which is, that's essentially nothing. It's an absurd number on its face. It, in, this policy and the interpretation of it increased litigation risks from all sides and a mandate that schools have a level of expertise in so many areas they have never before been called upon to have. So hopefully that was a good overview. And now I wanna just quickly go over how to put something in writing. I'm not going to read over all the suggestions on our website, but I will walk you through what we have written up um, I'm hoping I can get our icons tech to screen share. Okay, so clicking on the Title IX comments, you'll go there, it'll take you to our, this is just pretty bare bones, but hopefully it's enough to get you started. Um, there's a paragraph that's just a one paragraph summary, very short of essentially what I went over just to say what this rewrite is. And then uh, the link that you need is on there directions for the drop-down menu. When you go to the page to make your comments, there will be a drop-down menu that cites the policy. It, um, oh, sorry, a drop-down menu asking you the nature of your comment. You don't need to go to the, click on it, go back to the page. And then um, the words to open your comment are highlighted in yellow there. It just allows, that is information that allows you to cite the exact policy, which is something the government requests you do. And then finally, underneath, I have some inspiration paragraphs. And 
there's, I think I wrote about five different paragraphs that um, hit on different ideas. You can use these paragraphs, edit them just a few words, just use a couple sentences from them, uh, make them shorter, and then maybe add your own story or a personal thought about how this impacts you or people you know or girls in your family. It is just fine to have your comment be super short. There is of note space on the submission page, the government submission page to add in links to relevant science publications or results. I don't have those things listed on there. They're, um, hopefully you can find some, you can probably see some on, um, if you can, if you can, Hilton and Lundberg's um, science, there's also the um, national, the age group standards for under USA Swimming, you can look up a few different things. The Boys versus Men uh, website has some great links on it as well. Um, there are pre-written letters available on Women's Declaration International's page, WDI. You can just go on WDI's page and Google Title IX and IWF, Independent Women's Forum. You can also go on their page and Google um, Title IX. I haven't looked today, but I'm guessing that same thing is true for uh, Wolf and for Concerned Women for America. Um, I'm sure they all have comment sections. So if there are any questions, I want to go in here. Please share the transcript. Of course, <laughs> we will post this. So you can, we will post this um, online on YouTube and send that out. Um, Email addresses. Yep, we can give you those. So how do? So if oh, I see questions about the conference on here. I'll go back to that register. You just go on to iconswomen.com and you'll see a link to our registration. Um, yes. Yeah, so a, a member of Wolf. Okay, and you didn't discuss the deadline. Yes, there's a lot. It's 11 days left to do this. So we are at the end. If anyone has questions or needs help with it. I hope that our website provides some clarification. Six new messages. You got it. All right, perfect. Any other questions? Um, just to give you all a little bit of encouragement, I have been on several Zoom calls with a lot of lawyers around the country who are working really hard to make comments in preparation for future lawsuits. So the idea is that the more the public comments and we can visibly see that this is not something the public wants or that it's this so-called clarification that the Biden administration is giving us doesn't clarify anything, but indeed makes life harder for a significant portion of the population, which it does. Um, or makes life harder for schools or, you know, is not beneficial or that the harms they're trying to address um, aren't actually solved, then uh, those things, have those things documented before they push it through is a good thing. One last point I want to make um, that was brought up is the in the document itself, it says that the reason they're doing this is to uh, minimize or to minimize the harms of social harms, physical harms, and what was the other kind of harm? Social, physical, and psychological harms uh, to transgender students. And there is no mention of harms to women because of the implementation of these policies or what they could be, or even a consideration of that. Um, but 
those same harms or concerns could apply to any boy. So it's an interesting premise to think about what would make a student that identifies as transgender be specifically given the right to choose where they want to participate or where it's best for them to minimize those harms. Why wouldn't that same principle also apply to any other young man or boy who would benefit socially, psychologically, or physically from participating on a woman's team? There seems to be kind of a disconnect in understanding that this um, that there this couldn't also apply just as equally well, or those um, reasons wouldn't apply equally well to any young boy. So I did put a little bit of that up in the last paragraph suggestion on our website. All right, I think that's it. Oh, your question above. Pamela, I, I did this, and as you suggested, sent emails to my senators and congresspeople. I received the most condescending reply from Senator Cortez Masto, who's also my Senator Pamela, um, saying that she stands with the LGBTQ community. I did respond, but wonder if you have any ideas past that. Um, I would love to coordinate with you <laughs> for the state of Nevada, um, but you know, the, although this should not be a partisan issue, it is a partisan issue at this point, as far as the leadership is concerned. Um, they need a lot of education, which we have big plans for this coming year, but the more letters they receive from you and other constituents in the state, the better. Um, even, even if the response is condescending, um, we are getting meetings with Democrat legislators, um, whether it's a, a brick wall or not, um, they are receiving something. So we need to continue to outreach and let them know that um, we have serious concerns about what is going on. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to be relentless, folks, and it will get bigger and better as the as the next year marches on. Thank you for um, not being thwarted from continuing to try, though. Do you ever have women supporting the trans the male athletes? Uh, yes, of course. There are uh, public. This is there's always division. There have just for anyone's the question was: Are there ever any women who support the transgender athletes? And I by we as women, of course, support the women who identify as transgender um, in our sports, as so long as they aren't doping, we welcome them. We need strong women who break down uh, gender role norms and presentations. So we're absolutely support them. But males compete, male athletes competing in the women's category. There are plenty of women, as we've heard from Megan Rapino and many athletes that do support that. They are the minority of athletes. And we just need to remember that there has never been a unified, like unanimous voice um, for any kind of uh, movement that supports women around the world, including when we were trying to just get the right to vote. There were plenty of women that didn't agree. So don't be dismayed by that. It's okay. Um, I can't see the questions. Yeah, the questions in the Q&A are submitted privately. So just so you know, I will look and see if 
As a school board member, what can I do when I'm on a minority? Schools are so many hungry, they'll do anything for fun. Um, I don't really know other than I think it's just important that we speak up and raise concerns. So as the more you ask questions and say, what about the girls? Um, you know, we've got to protect the girls. There are, there's no way that schools are not gonna be involved in litigation over this. So they're gonna have to choose, you know, do they want to go to court to defend girls or do they wanna to go to court after a girl's been severely hurt? And uh, all right. Would love, love, love for the questions to be available, trying to follow, but here. <laughs> sorry, Brie. Yes, we'll just, we will be posting this video. So we will get them, we, we will, you should be able to follow it more easily a second time around. Um, okay, I think we're gonna move on from Title IX. If you have more comments, please keep submitting them either in the Q&A at the bottom of your toolbar. We will try to get to as many as we can. We're almost done. Today's going to be a short time, and then we can open up to more questions. Um, let me close this. Okay, so I just wanted to touch briefly on a few stories in the news. Um, over this past weekend, many of you may have seen there was a huge uproar about Austin Killips winning. At this point, it's the most prestigious multi-stage cycling race, um, at least in the US at the tour of the Gila. And he has sparked um, a lot of uh, controversy and backlash, which um, we hope is just shedding more light on particularly the prevalent problem in cycling, which is the most affected sport at this time. Um, in, in cycling, we have uh, about 50 known men competing in the women's in women's cycling races right now. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. We have submitted a letter to UCI, which is the international body that oversees through our international group, the ICFS, which is the International Consortium on female sport of which we are a US representative from that. And we have many cyclists, um, some of which are on the call tonight with us who are beginning to speak out. We are connecting them to media, including um, Hannah Ahrensman, who was featured in that Washington Times article I sent in the newsletter today. Um, another uh, big story is in Minnesota, USA Powerlifting has been trying to defend their um, eligibility standard of female athlete um, sex-based category in the state. They've been challenged by a male powerlifter, and the judge in Minnesota has been incredibly difficult and has... Um, sided with the male athlete has required USA powerlifting to discriminate against their female athletes in the state or risk being shut down. The president, Larry Maley, has refused to do that. And therefore, the judge has ordered all operations in the state of Minnesota for the entire sport have been shut down. So this is... Um, a, just a huge, 
huge story because for the first time, men in the sport have been affected um, all across the state. So we have plans and have been working with USA Powerlifting to um, in their appeals. And please keep an eye on this as we go through the summer. We have events planned for this. Um, another story is in disc golf. There's a, a, a suit filed on behalf of Natalie Ryan, who is a male competitor in professional disc golf. He's won over 40,000 in the female professional category just last year and was barred from competing this year in the women in the female category. And he is um, uh, has filed a lawsuit now in the state of California. Um, this is going to come to a head in the next couple of weeks now because there's a tournament um, in the next two weeks that he is trying to um, force the judge to uh, basically force him onto the player's card. So um, these are a few to keep keep your eye on. There are many, sadly, um, but you will also see that more and more women are speaking up and are organizing behind the scenes. I know boycotting is a big comment we always get and as these stories progress and more and more athletes affect more and more sports we're going to see more women standing up and speaking out publicly um, in order to defend the women's category so there were a couple questions that popped in i just want to address before we move on um, why not encourage normal men to compete as women and destroy women's sports so we can reach the obvious and get to the end game sooner? Yes, that um, has taken place in a couple of situations and, and it helps to point out the blatantly obvious. I want to encourage everyone, we are going to win this. Like, it's just, this is not possible for us to continue down this road and have people not rise up in absolute frustration. It's a matter of visibility. So as the stories get told, as the papers start printing things, as we get better at communicating to the world, which I promise you we're going to get better at this on social media and news, we're go we have huge plans for the next year. Um, there is no way this doesn't and I mean, it, it's just the biggest issue for us is it's going to be a matter of how many girls and women get hurt along the path. And we want to minimize that. Our goal is to have everything go as quickly as possible. So yes, encouraging normal men to compete as women is something that we have seen, especially it's happened in a couple of powerlifting events around the world. Um, there are um, obstacles to that in several places where there, like in cycling, for instance, where there are, yes, Zuby, where there are uh, testosterone threshold limits and so forth already being applied. We know those are a red herring, but you, you know, obviously a, a normal male isn't going to have female levels of testosterone or super, or even below normal male levels of testosterone. So it's difficult to do that in some instances, um, but we're getting there and we're bringing attention. Things are going to get better. So I. Uh, Let's see, why not? There's an, are you planning to provide more merchandise, posters, bumper stickers? Yes, we are. So we are right now 
We just had a great call this week with a company um, that's going to help us put up merchandise on our site. We're working on the designs right now, and this will all be uh, coming to fruition in the coming weeks. Just stick with us. It takes a little bit of time. Um, I'm sure you all have seen the wonderful uh, sweatshirts that um, Riley wore one, says Save Women's Sports Embroidered. There have been some serious grassroots efforts to try to get us uh, get us some funding, and we appreciate that because definitely merchandise, bumper stickers, stuff on water bottles, all these things start up conversations, and they're an important part of getting our message out. So thank you for asking that question. There is a Twitter account. Please follow our Twitter account. It's Icons Women. Marcy, do you want to share more about Twitter and Instagram real quick? Put it in the, um, maybe put it in the messaging. Sure, I just put it in the in the chat. Um, yes, please follow us on Twitter. Um, we we have an Instagram account um, and also Facebook, but we have sadly, I have been the person in charge of social media, um, which is not getting enough attention whatsoever. So moving forward, we have already been speaking to experts, not myself experts who are coming on board to help us with a strategic uh, extensive social media campaign because one huge problem is reaching young gen z women millennial women women in high school girls in high school women in college at that age when they're being really indoctrinated and manipulated um, by their schools <laughs> and um, people in superior positions of authority. And when they're receiving messaging through social media, through TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube, and not hearing from the female athlete perspective from our side, it, it causes confusion. And um, we recognize that we, that is a huge, huge, um, objective for me in this coming year. So please um, just, again, bear with us. It's coming. We have some incredible talent that's coming yep. to help save the day on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the amicus brief? Yes. All right. So to wrap up our uh, webinar tonight, we wanted to give everyone some information on how we are getting involved in the court cases that are making their way through the United States court systems. We submitted an amicus brief yesterday on the Fourth Circuit case on behalf of ICONS supporting West Virginia as they defend their state law protecting women and girls in sports. We're really proud of this. It's a huge undertaking. We're so grateful for all the legal help that we've been getting just pro bono, just amazingly wise and talented lawyers helping us. Um, we had originally helped to organize the signers and stories that became part of the Supreme Court female athlete brief for this same summer, uh, same case uh, a couple weeks ago. That brief has now been refiled two times with an expanded list and even new stories. Several groups have actually peeled off of that brief um, as the numbers have expanded where they've decided that they form a unique voice and they have something that they want to share um, independently, adding a unique perspective, adding more friend of the courts briefs in several cases. This is very exciting. And I wanna encourage everyone to just these small steps 
Every person has a role here. And these small steps, um, this is the power of an athlete network in practice. To be able to gather when we are needed like this and to leverage our voices, this is how we're going to win a better future for our girls, being able to get involved in all these little aspects of sports, whether it's talking to governing bodies on school boards, influencing your state, talking to legislators, writing friend of the court briefs, you know, informing people on how to talk, it's there's so many avenues and every single one of us are needed so please stay linked stay involved stay engaged and please help bring people on um just thank you so much for tuning in tonight and please consider joining us and bringing some friends to denver <laughs> we are truly just getting started and we're so excited for the year the next year ahead so um i think that's the end of the webinar but if people have questions or Oh, there, it looks like there's maybe a few few questions coming in. I don't uh, want to. I did, Kim, I did want to circle back to one question for the school board member. What can we do? Um, schools are so money hungry. So even though the Title IX changes are grim, um, this this is not the end. <laughs> we we don't suddenly surrender our sex-based rights that have already been established. So don't lose hope, please. Um, what we need to encourage and um, remind schools and school boards uh, about is that they are, even though the Biden administration is really bullying them into, you know, not defending their female athletes, there is tremendous risk from the female athlete side in terms of um, litigation against the school. For example, if a, if a girl is injured, like in North Carolina, where the volleyball player suffered severe concussion and head and neck injuries, um, and uh, they, they had a opportunity to um, make an ex exception for that particular case, um, and the school decided not to, and then that girl is now injured. I mean, there's litigation, um, <laughs> tremendous risk to the school from the female um, athlete side as well. So this is not just a one-sided, well, we have to do this. They have to really consider that women and girls, and we are hoping to be a big part of that, will be suing and bringing lawsuits to, in yeah. these instances. That's true. I, I, I was laughing uh, when Marsha was saying that, not because of the severity of the story, which is not something to laugh at, but I, the comment that came in on the chat, lose hope. Are you serious? <laughs> Let's sue their balls off. <laughs> um, yes, we, and um, that's one of our other big plans for this year. We definitely want to fundraise. We know that the you know, the ACLU is supporting and suing every single time a male athlete wants to compete with women and women need a, a resource, a place to turn to for funds when they need to be able to do that. One of the biggest things stopping us in several situations going on around the country right now is just not having the funds. So we are actively engaged in working on developing plans to um, fundraise for legal efforts to be able to give women that option. There's nowhere for women to turn right now other than ADF, who's been great, but we need more choices. 
So, um, all right, folks. So that's it for this month. Please, um, calling one, calling all, come join us in Denver if we get a good headcount and we know that we need to expand our facility to uh, let everyone in. Uh, that's going to help us with better planning and making sure we have everything ready for <laughs> to help everyone out. So thanks. And that's have a good night. See you all. Good night. Bye-bye.